That summer in Volca had many fond memories for Heike. He goes on in the book to describe, when it was time to head back to Tallinn, how the nice people he stayed with loaded his suitcase up with fresh farm produce, which was in short supply in Tallinn. By this time, all of Edward's clothes had been pawned off for food. In Heike's reflection, he never really explains being left in Volka, but after his descriptions of his unsupervised activity while in Tallinn, I can imagine that summer in the country was a welcome change for both Heike and Jadwiga. Not long after Heike got back to Tallinn, the Germans had a special summer camp for the children of deportees in the seaside village of Hopsalu. A high-ranking Nazi official visited the camp, and Heike was selected to greet the officer and to conduct the children's choir. Heike now believes he was chosen because his blonde hair and blue eyes would make a good representation of the local bloodline. While Heike was away, Jadwiga was able to change jobs from the match factory at Tundi to a waitress position at the German naval headquarters at the top of Tompea Castle. She was able to get this job, which paid more and provided more food for the family, because she was brought up in a German language school, which wasn't all that unusual as German had been taught as the language of learning and business in Estonia since the time of the Crusades. The job as a waitress had other benefits as Jadwiga was able to listen in and find out the true state of the war, which wasn't good for Germany at the time. She also heard stories of acts of revenge being carried out on Estonians in the East who had corroborated with the Germans. And after that, she had taken this new job, and when the Russians would come back, her and her family were in serious danger. On the 9th of March, 1944, a massive Russian bombing raid commenced. On that evening, Heike's Aunt Beatty's flat was hit and she was trapped in the rubble for a while and made it out with only cuts and bruises. The Russian Air Force were also dropping incendiary bombs, and because a large section of Tallinn was made of wood, entire blocks were wiped out by the blaze that followed. The bombing happened at night, and in the morning the whole city was in a panic. The German military police took control of law and order, and it was difficult to get around the city, as roads were either impassable by the bombing or blocked off to allow room for emergency vehicles to pass. The bombing on March 9th was the heaviest of the war. It coincided with the Soviet attack in the east and the Battle of Narva. That night, 463 people were killed, 659 wounded, and 25,000 left without shelter in the cold winter. That morning, Heike and Grandfather Jacob walked to Tallinn. They walked past the military stable, which normally had horses in front of it, chained to the wall. That morning, only the chains and the bones of the horses remained. Heike also witnessed charred human bodies in partially destroyed buildings and was close enough to see the amber-colored skin of the deceased. Jacob was taking Heike and Arne to Tompea Castle to meet Jadwiga, with the hope it would be safer. The city was in chaos with no ambulances or firefighting vehicles out to help cope with the calamity. 
Before meeting the boys, the Advigas stopped by their house to try to salvage what they could. Almost all of what they found was destroyed, as the windows were blown out and plaster and debris had smashed their rations. After Jacob had delivered Heike into Jadviga's care, they made their way to the naval headquarters. Several checkpoints were set up and Jadviga was able to pass by the security as she had the proper documentation. In the final row of checks, a man who Heike believed to be a man of high rank was eating a sandwich. The officer handed Heike a sandwich, which he was very grateful for, for he had not eaten. That night, Heike spent time in the cellar of the building with his mother, which descended far into the earth and gave Heike a sense of security. During the following week, after the bombing, the children in Tallinn were evacuated into the country. Arne and his grandparents made it to a small farm in the town of Kisa, about 20 kilometers from Tallinn, with Heike following around a week later. They had to bring along whatever food, clothes, blankets, and even bedding they were going to need. The deep snow and the bitter cold made the evacuation of Tallinn a difficult one for all involved. In Tallinn, German troops on leave wearing black armbands trickled into the city, bringing bad news from the front. The fighting at Narva was house to house, and the Germans were gradually losing ground to the Russians. The soldiers on leave looked exhausted to Heike, and they didn't seem dressed properly for the freezing weather. With as many suffering from frostbite as there were from direct action against the enemy. When the Russians had last occupied Estonia, they deported 15,000 Estonians to Siberia. When they returned in 1944, they eventually deported 200,000 from the Baltics to Gulags in Siberia. Heike's mother knew that Tallinn was soon to be captured, and with having worked for the German Navy, that she and possibly her children would become a target to the Russians. So a week after Arne made it to Kiza, Heike was sent on a train there as well, and when he arrived, he was greeted by the farmer's son, who led Heike back to the farmhouse through knee-high snow, where he was finally greeted by Grandpa Jacob and Grandma Magdalena, in the warm and comfortable farmhouse. Heike, Arne, and Grandma Magdalena stayed at the farmhouse with the owners through the summer, while Jacob took a job watching over a nearby farm. Heike spent his time helping with some of the chores on the farm and learned how to make homemade skis, bake bread, and pick strawberries. Basically, they lived the typical rural existence and were kept safe from the bombing raids. News came in slow from the front. Reports were coming in of local men being killed in action or receiving debilitating injuries fighting against the Soviets on the Narva front. At night, one could see the north glow from Tallinn of wooden houses burning and from the east, the thunder of heavy artillery coming from Narva. Jadviga came to visit them in September and she had only been there one other time in the six months which passed. And that was for Heike's birthday on July 22nd. She was obviously concerned about their future and told the boys that if things didn't improve, that she would have to bring them back to Tallinn. She was right to be worried, 
and she learned about the dire situation on the Narva front by listening in on the German soldiers. The mood in Estonia was changing, and she feared that she would be seen as a collaborator for her work as a waitress at the German headquarters if the Soviets took back control. Jadwiga returned back to work in Tallinn and again left the boys in Kisa. Not long afterwards, probably a couple days, Magdalena returned from her morning trip to town crying. At first, Heike was worried that something terrible had happened to his mother. But he soon found out that it was a message that the boys were to get their belongings and head back to Tallinn as soon as possible. Soon, Grandfather Jacob showed up with a horse-drawn cart that he had borrowed from the farm he stayed. That day, the family spent loading up the cart with their belongings, including the bed. Heike at the time did not understand the seriousness of their situation. The Russians had broken through the defensive line at Narva, which meant that it was only time till the Germans would abandon Estonia to the Russians. A great deal of time was spent saying goodbye to the farmers, and after the horses were fed and watered, they set off to Tallinn in the evening. It was a cold night in which they made their way towards the thundering explosions of the ongoing bombardment and fiery red glow, interspersed with brilliant white flashes. That at the time was Tallinn, and was a mere 22 kilometers away. Jacob walked along the side of the horses, while Magdalena held Arne. It was a clear and cold night, in which the stars stood out distinct and clear. It seemed like an interminably long journey to Heike, in which Magdalena had time to reflect. She sobbed and cried throughout the journey, and stated that when old people die, they became stars in the sky. Heike now reflects back on the trip and how sad it must have been for his grandparents and that they must have known that the boys were leaving for Germany and that they would likely be alone, not even knowing the fate of their son, Edward. Eventually, they made it back to their old house in Tallinn at 5-3 Kanika Setanov, where Jadwiga was waiting. With tears in their eyes, Magdalena and Jacob said goodbye to the boys. Heike always remembered the long embrace he shared with Jacob upon their departure. This was the last time Heike and Arne would ever see their grandparents. The boys eventually made it back to Tallinn after the Soviet era and visited their graves. They took good care of the boys, as well as anyone could. But now, all they could do was make the long, lonely journey back to the farm where Jacob stayed. They kept the boys' clothes in the hope that they would return. They never did, and so in 1948, the grandparents lit a bonfire and burned their clothes. The fear in Tallinn was palpable. The Soviet forces had broken through at Narva, and it was expected that at any time they would reach Tallinn. While in the German naval headquarters, Jadwiga had made some valuable connections. She had befriended an influential German officer named Otto Hinstedt, and he had organized a lorry and some armed soldiers to escort Jadwiga and the boys to the harbor where they were to begin passage on a naval boat named the Ramboat. On the way to the boat, Jadwiga told Heike that she had invited the grandparents to go along to Germany with them. 
but they refused because they wanted to stay in Estonia and wait for Edward to return. Their decision was a good one, because Jadwiga and the boys left Estonia on September 21st. The following day, the Russian army arrived in Tallinn, and less than a month after that, Edward arrived back home after being away for three years and three months. It wasn't long before Jadwiga and the boys were on the lorry, headed toward the harbor that night. There were no lights because of the blackout. But luckily, the moon was big and bright that night, which allowed Heike to see. The lorry went through a series of checkpoints before dropping off its passengers. At the harbor, the family had to walk past hundreds of soldiers, some Estonian and some German, on the way to their boat. These soldiers were there waiting for their own boat, not sure if it would ever come. After fighting on the Narva front, seeing their friends die, the soldiers were not happy to see the small family escorted through the crowd to an awaiting boat, as they were not sure if their boat would ever come. After making it past the desperate soldiers, they, come, they came upon the area in which the boat was docked. The ram boat was the third boat out in the water behind two U-boats, and large wooden planks were laid on top of the boats to make a haphazard bridge to cross. A German soldier gave Heike some sound advice and told him not to look down. At that time, Arne, intrigued by something in the distance, moved forward. Heike luckily noticed and quickly intercepted Arne before he fell into the water between the submarines. Many ships were in the harbor on September 21st, and they would all leave at different times. Some were larger hospital boats, some were transport ships. The ram boat that the family made it to was a small, quick ship that was agile and was used on small raids, as well as in planting mines and detonating mines. The day the family left on this boat, Tallinn was virtually empty. The German soldiers that didn't leave by sea retreated south into Latvia. The Germans had tried to destroy anything the Russian army could use against them. When they were finally out to sea, Heike looked through the little window of the boat and saw on top of Tompea Hill the Estonian flag flying where previously the Kriegsmarine flag was flown. This officially meant that the time of the German occupation was over in Estonia. This would be the last glimpse of Tallinn that Heike would have for the next 50 years. On that same day, Edward was writing in his diary. Today, we are only 70 kilometers from Tallinn. He was very much looking forward to arriving back in Tallinn and being reunited with his small family, one of which, Arne, he had never seen. Heike states that he had been asked many times in his life why his mother decided to leave Estonia along with 70 other thousand Estonians when the Soviets invaded. Since she had worked for the German military, Jadwiga knew that she was likely to be seen as a collaborator and either deported or killed. Since she had worked for the Germans and she was able to procure a vessel to take her and her family away where they would be safe, she felt she had to take this opportunity. Her decision was proven to be the correct one. Over the following years, 200,000 Estonians 
or deported to Siberia by the Soviets. On September 23rd, the Soviet army had reached Tallinn, and in another three weeks, Heike's dad, Edward, returned to his home in Estonia, only to find out that his family had left. Edward had undergone terrible difficulties with his deportation to Siberia. He had gone hungry and had been seriously injured. He must have been dreaming of this big day in which he could finally be able to return home and see his beloved family. On the same day that Heike and his family left Tallinn on the Ramboat, a transport ship that had been converted into a hospital ship called the Morrow left Tallinn with 573 refugees and 700 wounded Estonian and German soldiers, was sunk by a torpedo bomber off the coast of Latvia near Vinspils. Several smaller ships had managed to save 518 of the 1,273 people that were on board. Heike's grandparents had heard about the sinking of the Morrow and the large loss of life. The grandparents had assumed that Heike, Arne, and Jadwiga were on this ship, as it was the only ship leaving Tallinn that had reportedly been carrying refugees. Heike and Arne would eventually make their way back to Estonia after the collapse of the Soviet Union in 1991 and met their father, Edward. The details of what happened to Edward during his deportation were passed on to Heike partially from the diary that Edward kept and partially from Edward's memory. The retelling of what happened to Edward is what is covered in the next section of the book. On July 27, 1941, Edward left Estonia on a luxury cruise liner called the Joseph Stalin. The ship eventually docked in Leningrad, and Edward made the rest of his journey to a small town east of the Ural Mountains in Siberia by train which took 11 days to travel 2,500 kilometers. The following year, Edward was given the option of joining the Soviet army or to stay in exile. Edward was later quoted as saying at the time, I'd rather take a bullet than perish here in Siberia. In the labor camp, life was difficult. The food rations were sparse, the weather was bitterly cold, and his clothes were in tatters so he understandably joined the 249th Estonian Rifle Division of the Soviet Red Army. Edward made it to the front lines on December 6, 1942, and was wounded by shrapnel in the ankle two days later at the Battle of Veliki Luki, in which the Russians were attempting to recapture the city. It was a bitterly cold winter. Edward was taken to the field hospital by horse cart, and by the time he reached there, he felt that he was close to freezing to death. At the hospital, the staff treated and dressed the wound, gave him a piece of bread and some warm water, and left him to rest. Edward had a goal in mind that he referred to as his special day, when he would arrive back in Estonia with the Soviet army, expel the Germans, and reunite with his family. Edward was determined to do what he could to make this happen as quickly as possible. He believed his best shot of making this happen was to be attached to the front-line troops. When Edward was well enough, 
he was able to be transferred to a post in the logistics corps. His job was to keep the frontline troops supplied with food and ammunition by means of horse and cart. It was also his duty to collect the injured from the battlefield and transport them to field hospitals. During this period, Edward was able to meet up with his best friend and Hakey's uncle, Efka, who lived across the street in Tallinn, who had also been deported. Edward met Efka just six days prior to Edward's injury. Unfortunately, Efka stepped on a mine in the same battle Edward was injured and was killed. Edward kept a diary of his exile and his time in the Soviet army, which we will refer to as a source for this period and helps describe the conditions of the Soviet soldier during World War II. On December 12, 1942, Edward wrote about meeting up with Efka. In the diary, he describes the unfortunate situation Efka was in. His hair and beard were long and unkept, and he hadn't eaten in three days, and he had lost weight. Just six days later, Efka was dead. Edward was only trailing behind the frontline troops by a few kilometers when the Soviet army broke through the German defenses and entered Estonia. At the time this occurred, Heike, Jadwiga, and Arne, Edward's son he didn't know he had, were on their way to the harbor and eventually onto the ram boat for their escape. The news of the sinking of the hospital ship, the Morrow, had begun to filter into Estonia. Heike's grandparents, Jacob and Magdalena, didn't know what ship they had departed on, and the only ship reportedly carrying refugees was the Morrow. The grandparents scoured the list of survivors, hoping to find some news. At this point of the evacuation, things were chaotic, and a passenger list was not logged, so there was no way to know definitively whether or not their family was on the ship that sank. When Edward returned home, all he had was a picture of a son he had never met and the memories of a once happy family. Back on the ram boat, Heike and Arne were kept in the captain's cabin and were not allowed on deck because they were children. The one time Heike made it topside, he noticed a long wooden pole that was used for pushing mines away from the boat and once at a safe distance, fired on and detonated. On one occasion, the boat was strafed by a Russian fighter plane. The bullet smashed against the steel deck, making a piercing, whistling noise. Heike was told that the plane must have dropped its bombs on another target, and that is why they were only being strafed. The final stop on their voyage was at Pilau, today in modern-day Kaliningrad Oblast. The voyage took what seemed like a very long time. The ramboat had to move slowly through the water, always on the lookout for mines, which needed to be cleared, which of course took more time. The ramboat also stopped at several ports along the way, helping destroy vital infrastructure that the Germans didn't want to fall into Soviet hands. When they arrived in Pilau, they met up with Jadwiga's elder sister, Biete. Jadwiga had intended to have her favorite sister and best friend, Manya, Efka's husband, meet them in Pilau. But for several weeks before they left, Manya had gone missing. Therefore, Biete was able to gain a spot on another ram boat that had left Tallinn on the same day. At this point in the trip, Heike reports that they finally felt safe. 
they had no idea of the troubles that lay ahead. Later in life, Hakey discovered how Yadviga gained access to the ram boat. While going through Yadviga's needlework, he discovered three holiday photos with writing on the back. On the back of the photos was written, 1942, family, Hemstedt Sova. To be honest, I don't understand the relationship between Chief Petty Officer Otto Hemstedt and Jadwiga. Hakey believes the date of 1942 was fiction and was meant to give the illusion that Jadwiga had been married for a couple years to Otto Hemstedt and therefore add legitimacy to her travel out of Estonia on a German naval vessel. It appears that Otto Hemstedt helped in this forgery and it doesn't appear that Otto and Jadwiga actually got married, as Hakey was able to confirm that Hemstedt had a wife in Germany at the time. Edward was deported from Tallinn on July 27, 1941, and returned in October 1944. He was among thousands of young men deported east of the Ural Mountains from the three Baltic states. The Russians at the time called this the mobilization of men of a certain age. But in truth, it was a forced deportation of young men of fighting age that could potentially oppose the Soviets in Estonia. Any man resisting deportation would instantly be deported, along with his family, even children. Edward risked his life keeping this diary. He told Hakey in 1991 that if he would have been caught, he could have been shot. In the next episode, we will read through Edward's diary and follow his journey from exile in Siberia to his disappointing return home to Tallinn.